0: listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavanna.com. Open up to Matthew chapter 5. I do want to encourage you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Uh, if you don't have one, you know, maybe you download the ESV app, you can follow along. You'll always get more out of the sermon if you're following along uh, in your own copy of God's Word. And so I would encourage you to, to bring your Bibles to church and and, uh, and study them together with us as we work through. Well, if you're a guest of ours, one of the things we do is we work through books of the Bible here. So we have been in the Gospel of Matthew for, I think this is week nine of like week I don't know how many weeks, y'all. It's going to be a long time, but we're going to be here for a while. So we're in week nine, and so uh, we're in chapter five today in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, uh, One of the modern phenomenon out there today, uh, if you've kind of paid attention, is something called influencers, right? This is, uh, if you don't know what that is, uh, you, you probably don't have electricity in your house, uh, but influencers are folks that because of their platform or because they have kind of formed this little niche that they are experts on, they have uh, followers on social media and advertisers line up to get and pay lots of money to get these individuals to influence you to buy their product, to do what they do, to buy their shoes, whatever it is. And so, you know, all you have to do is have an Instagram or a Facebook or a YouTube and you can identify these, these influencers and uh, so the number one influencer or number one influencer on YouTube, individual, not like a company or whatever, is a guy, my kids follow this guy named Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast, right? Mr. Beast is richer than you are, and he will be forever richer than you are. He is a, I think he's 23, 24 now. He got famous because in, in 2017, he counted to 100,000 in one sitting. Uh, it took him 40 hours, 40 uh, hours creative, I guess. I don't know. But you can watch this video online. I actually scanned it this week because I'm not going to watch it 40. It's actually a 24-hour video because YouTube doesn't let you have more than 24-hour videos. He literally goes, one, two, three, four, all the way to 100,000. And by the end, he's like, no He's like almost comatose, but he got all these followers. And then he thought, oh, I got all these followers. So he did it again. He did from 100,000 to 200,000. And he did it again. That took him 50 hours. And now he's got like 80 million followers and makes like $50 million a year. And so probably worth it, but he's known for giving away lots of money and doing all sorts of things. He's, he's an influencer. If you have little kids, you probably are familiar with Ryan's world. I wasn't familiar with Ryan. Ryan is a 10-year-old who his number one video, get this, has 1,081,000,000 views. Okay, His mom is a genius is what she is. Ryan is 10 years old and has his own Macy's Day Parade Float, who has last three years, he's got a, some superhero he created, he's got a show in Nickelodeon, he's got this on Amazon. He's 10, y'all, 10 years old. Makes like $40 million a year, okay? Because he's an influencer. Now all the, you know, to Nerf and all these people want Ryan to advertise their toys. And then you have Instagram, and you know, the number one influencer or follow, person, uh, individual followed on Instagram is actually Instagram, which seems very self-serving of them. Uh, but number two is Ronaldo, soccer player, Makes a lot of money playing soccer and a lot more money on Instagram. Uh, number five is The Rock, which I kind of like The Rock. Number 10 is The beebs, which I could care less about The Biebs. But these are influencers. And advertisers pay them to get you to buy their stuff, to do what they do, whatever. To influence you towards action. That's an influencer. Today, we're going to see that God wants some influencers not to buy some shoes, not to get rich, but he wants some influencers on in who they are and what they do and why they do it, that is what we're gonna talk about today in Matthew chapter five. So, started the Sermon on the Mount a few weeks ago. Uh, remember the Sermon on the Mount, it's called that because Jesus is sitting on the side of a mountain, very creative. But it's, it's directed at who? It's directed at his followers. All these people come, Jesus sits down, and he talks to who? His followers. So this is a sermon for followers of Jesus. And last week, he told them what the blessed life looks like, what the happy life looks like, what the content, satisfied life looks like. And it's stranger things. It's upside down. It's what? Blessed are the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, the persecuted, right? Those are the blessed, which is upside down from what we think. And if that is the lifestyle that you pursue and that starts manifesting itself in you, what's gonna happen naturally is you are going to be an influencer, an influencer, right? And, I, and that's really where we're going today. The result of that is this. And, here's, and th- this is what I, I wanna remind us, I wanna encourage us. This, I can't say, well, this is the most important part of the Sermon on the Mount because it's all important because Jesus teaches it. But if you identify as a follower of Jesus this morning, Right? Then, then this text is significant, it's big for us. I mean, all of the text is big for us, but sometimes you know, there's an application that's more for, for parents or single folks or this or that, and right, there's a, this is for every person who identifies as a follower of Jesus. This is significant. You need to understand what God says about being an influencer, right? The, the who and the how and the what for. So let me read our text, just four short verses, familiar to some of us, and we'll unpack it together. so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So he starts off and says, you are the salt of the earth. And in the Greek text, this is super emphatic. It literally reads, you, you are. You could translate it, you and you alone. Yes, you, if you're like, I don't know if he's talking to me. Yo, I'm talking to you. You are, you have something Christian that no one else has you can do something Christian that no one else can do he's talking to you so you say who are the influencers that God wants you are you are the influencers you don't have to have 50,000 100,000 followers but you are the influencers. that he said you are the salt of the earth now what's that mean it's obviously a metaphor it's a figure of speech and when you when you're studying scripture if you want to understand what the meaning is don't always jump to what does that mean for me what does that what does it mean for me? But we jump there, and sometimes when we jump there, we miss the meeting. The first question you ought to ask is, what did it mean for them? What did it mean to, for, to be salt of the earth in, in 33 AD, right? What does it mean for them? What's, then, then you can say, okay, in light of that, what does it mean to me? Because you can push the metaphor too far. You say, oh, I'm salt. I'm from the north. What are we using the salt for in the north? Well, we, when it snowed, we Cleared the roads, so God wants me to be the road clearer, making it safe for everybody else. That's not what he's saying, okay? That's not what he's saying. And salt was used for multiple reasons. And and now, salt is uh, typically a off-white or a white color. And some have said, well, salt means it's it's pure, and, and so the church is supposed to be pure. Is that true? Yes. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Probably not. Salt has healing properties, right? So, you know, you get a cut, you get out of Tybee, The bacteria levels are are moderately low, you can get in the water, and and it will heal, theoretically, right? So the church is supposed to bring healing to the world. Is that true? Yes, is that what Jesus is talking about? Probably not, right? uh, Salt is used and was used as a fertilizer. So is he saying the people of God are the manure of the world? Probably, probably not what he's talking about, okay? It was valuable back then, people were paid with salt. This is why someone you say, well they're not worth their salt, it was a commodity. Is he saying the church is valuable? It is valuable. Is that what he's trying to say? Nah. A popular view is, you know, salt makes you thirsty. Go to a movie this afternoon, buy a $30 popcorn, and you get start getting thirsty. I need a $50 Coke. I'm broke, but at least my thirst. And so the church is supposed to be, make people thirsty for God. True? Yes? What are you saying? Probably not. Probably not, right? So what is the Lord Jesus talking about here? There was two big reasons in this time that salt was used, right? That they would have gotten immediately, right? And this is where we need to go. The First one is this, salt was used as a preservative. Before the days of Kenmore and refrigeration and and $600 Yeti coolers, they used salt, right? Because salt slowed the decay of meat. You know what happens when meat sits out, meat's left out? What does it do? It rots, a couple years back, went to the grocery store, put all the groceries in my trunk, brought them in the house. About a, three or four weeks later, I start smelling something. I'm like, what is that smell? And I just, you know, I got kids, so I'm like, a car smells. Kids were in the car, right? There right. There's a shoe somewhere. It kept smelling, kept getting mad. I'm like, what in the world is this? And so I went in the trunk, and underneath something was a piece, a, a thing, a hamburger that had been cooked in the 100-degree Savannah weather. So I went in, they had dinner. No, I didn't do that. It had rotted, why? Because it was spoiled. And what Jesus is saying here is this, the world is like a big piece of rotting meat because of sin. Because sin enters the world in Genesis three, it's been rotting. And y'all, it's not getting better. If you read the New Testament, it's going to get worse and worse and worse until the end. And the point is this, you are to what? Slow the decay. You cannot stop it. You cannot stop it, right? I don't care how many laws you pass, how many people you vote for, how many whatever you do, you cannot stop the decay of the world. But you can slow it down. You can slow the rot in that place. And that's his point, right? That's, that's, you can't, and Jesus doesn't say, oh, you do this by, you know, we go down to Caesar's palace and we start picketing and we put a, you know, thing of Ten Commandments right down in front of Caesar. Am I anti Ten Commandments? No. I think they're great. I think I break them all every day. Putting a block with the Ten Commandments in front of a school does not change the hearts of people. It doesn't slow the rot. You know what slows the rot? Is Christians living out the Beatitudes in the middle of the world, that slows the rot. That stops the decay or slows it in that spot. Just living faithful Christian lives. And that is you. You are the preservative. You were slow the decay. And also, the second reason it was used, same as now, is as a seasoning, right? It doesn't say you are the sugar of the world, you're the Truvia of the world. You're the salt. Because there's something about salt that is distinct, right? You put a little salt in something, it has some bite to it, right? You can tell immediately. There's a, a huge difference between salted chips and unsalted chips. One has no purpose. And the other one is good, right? One should never have been invented. Because there's something that about, you taste that salt immediately. And Jesus's point is, when one of my subjects is in the mix, you notice it. There's something about it. There's some bite. There's some flavor. And this leads to an observation, and it's pretty clear, that Jesus wants his followers in the mix, Salt is no good if it stays in the shaker, right? That's the point. He does not sing. Everyone just stay in the shaker and hide. The church is real good about salting the salt. Let's salt each other. Oh yeah, salt, 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 salt. You know what happens when you have too much salt in one place? The Dead Sea. Death. Right? So he says, no, you get out there. The point is my, my followers are in the mix, they're, they're seasoning, they're preserving. That's the idea, not hiding out and talking about how bad the rotten world is. Out of the shaker, slowing the decay, bringing seasoning. You don't need 10,000 followers to do it. It's just small things. You, spending time with that lonely person, praying for that person, it's a little bit of salt, a little bit of preserving, right? You have time reading with your children at night, pointing them to the savior you're slowing the decay, right? At the office, someone's making fun of this person, you stop it. Someone's lying about this, you end it, right? That's slowing the decay. You start a little Bible study at work before Tuesday morning you know, meetings, slowing the decay. On a business trip, you refuse to go with those guys to that specific place and you encourage your buddy who's married, who's on the fence to stay back with you, it slows the decay. This couple that, that you know, this young couple that's struggling in their marriage and they're thinking about d- divorcing, you, you meet with them, you encourage them, you pray them. It slows the decay. Spend some time mentoring kids in this neighborhood that don't have folks helping them with their homework. It slows the decay. It's standing up for truth. When your boss tells you to do something that's, that's you know, not kosher, you're like, I, I can't do that. Add some seasoning. Right? That, it may not change the world, but you stop the decay in that spot. You slow the decay. It's saltiness. One of the, you know, every kind of ministry that we do outside of these walls, it, the goal is to be salty. One of the saltiest ministries we we support and that we're involved in. Some of you are familiar with it, It's called Thrive. Thrive is a ministry to to women who have uh, just challenging pregnancies. They're they're thinking. They're considering about ending their pregnancy, about killing their baby. And so we have folks that will stand outside of the abortion clinic and will pray and will counsel and will try to stop the murder of children. That's saltiness. That is slowing the decay. And if, you, if, you, if you're one that's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I need to get involved. I, I wanna be on the front lines of ministry, you sign up. If you don't believe in good versus evil and, and just the, the demonic world that exists, you need to get involved in that ministry because you will see darkness and, and on a level that you haven't, Experience because that it's there, and it's right up the road from us. It's being salt. It's, it's slowing decay. That's what an influencer does, and that's you. You and you alone. You, Mr. and Mrs. Morton, are the salt of the earth, right? That's all of us. But then Jesus introduces a problem. Here's the problem in the passage. You're the salt of the earth, but... If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, I know some of you are are science majors and you did organic chem and you're like, well, Bill, I just need to tell you this, that sodium chloride, NACL, is a stable compound and can't technically lose its saltiness. Yes, I know that, Mr. Doctor. But the salt of the day was not pure salt. In fact, it came from the Dead Sea, which was a mixed at best and there would be other minerals with it and there would be moisture that would go in. And so sometimes you'd go down to the market to buy a bag of salt and you would get back to the house and it wouldn't be salty because it had seeped out. It had been corrupted to the point that it no longer functioned the way it was supposed to. And so you have this bag of salt and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And your wife's like, well, we got that pothole in the driveway. You might as well fill the pothole. And that's what they did. That's the only thing it was good for. Filling up holes in the road, right? And, and here's Jesus's point. It, this is not, by the way, some people have taken this text and see a Christian can lose their salvation, see, and they can be thrown out. That is, that is the furthest thing from the truth. And if you have been taught that a Christian who, by the way, did not do anything to get their salvation can somehow now do something to lose their salvation, you have been taught wrong. If a person is truly saved... They are truly regenerated. Their sins, past, present, and future have been forgiven. Their name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. They had been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. They cannot, they will not be separated from the love of God. That is impossible unless you're stronger than the Spirit of God to break that seal. So, he's not saying you cannot, that you can, oh, you can do something to lose your salvation, even though you didn't do something to gain your salvation. What he is saying is that you, as salt, can lose your influence by being corrupted. That if you're not careful, you can lose the influence that you were created for and become basically useless except for to fill potholes, right? That's what he's saying. It's a warning. And it's interesting that the, the word that's, that, Translated, lost its taste. Elsewhere in the scripture, this is word "moreno." We got an English word; you can hear it "moron" from it. It's it's a word that means foolish. Salt becomes foolish, and what happens when the church of Jesus gets corrupted? Right, we look like morons. We basically look like something on The Simpsons or the late night talk show host, and rightfully so because we're acting foolishly. And we're good for nothing except to be trampled on. So I was at one of my uh, son's basketball games last week, Christian school, uh, a versus Christian school, JV middle school basketball game. I have to clarify, there was no NBA scouts there, okay? Uh, the, the Lakers were not sending uh, you know, someone like, we need to go check out this game in Statesboro. I mean, something big is gonna happen, right? And so I'm at this game and this lady behind me was losing her mind and her husband. Fortunately, they were on the other team and they were Presbyterian, although I think they were closet Baptists, but that's another story. And she was, three seconds, that's three seconds rough. It's terrible, terrible. I mean, this is a game where most of the kids are learning to dribble, okay? I mean, bounce pass, chest pass. It was very, you know, okay, and she was losing her mind and I almost said something and I never say anything because, and you know, everyone's like, oh, but you're the pastor, you should say something, so I don't, but I was almost a bit like, lady, all right, come on. But she, it was unbelievable and I thought, she was yelling at this ref, this one ref was like 23 year old, looked like a military guy and, and, and she, he would run by and she'd be like, terrible, it's terrible. And I'm like, this poor kid, he's making like $12 an hour doing this game. And, and at the end, I was thinking, man, I hope that she doesn't go to this church. And I can tell you, if that referee's not a believer, he ain't gonna ever go to this church and he ain't gonna ever send his kids to that school because I wouldn't. And I thought, that's what he's talking about. Salt, it's lost its saltiness. Looks foolish. Look ridiculous. And Jesus says, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. said, how do I not be, how do I not lose my saltiness? How can I stay salty? Let me give you just a couple thoughts real quick. Number one, stay in community, which is why we do community groups, which is why some of you really need to be in community, because what you need to be, and it's in a place where someone has, you've invited them to say, hey, if you see something in me, and you don't just do this to anybody, but you know, where there's a relationship, and it should be maybe your spouse first, if you're married, and then some close friends, but if you see something in me that you need to call out, you need to do it. Because there's something about sin that is blinding. It's like blinders on, on a horse. Where And the more you're in it, the tighter it gets and the tighter your view gets and you cannot see. Now, you can see everyone else's sin, but you can't see yourself. And you need someone who's gonna be like, you know, you were a jerk to the kids. And you need to be able to hear that. You, you've been showing up to work late every day, but you ain't late at the golf course, but you're late at work. You need someone who's gonna be loving enough to tell you the truth to rebuke, to encourage, and you need those relationships. You were, you were created for those relationships. And that's a way that we can keep each other salty, right? You need that. Here's, a, here's another one, way we can stay salty. Don't be in such a rush, instant gratification. We live in a culture of instant gratification. We're in a rush for everything. Some of you are gonna go to the Publix on the way home, the food line, and you're gonna buy some lunch, and you're gonna look, and there's gonna be six rows open. You're gonna be counting. Okay, there's four people in that row. There's two in that one. There's five in that one. And you're gonna go to the short. Oh, there's, there's a lady. She's gonna write a check. I can tell she's gonna write a check. I'm not going there. And you're, and you're like, okay, maybe I should go to the under 10. How many, how many things we got, honey? We got 12. Oh, they won't know. They won't count, all right? And you're just trying to get out quick because we're in a rush. You're gonna go to a restaurant. There's gonna be a, well, that's about a 10-minute wait. Oh. 10 minute wait, my gracious, let's go somewhere else. By the time you park and leave, you would have been sitting, but now you're gonna go another place, got a 15 minute, and you're gonna end up going home eating peanut butter and jelly because you're in a rush. Don't do that in the spiritual world. Sometimes we give up too quickly. We're like, oh, if I, I've tried this and, and it didn't work in two days and fine, that's done. No, you gotta, you gotta press into that. Growth takes time. And if it took 15 years for you to get into that mess, it's not gonna be two days and you're out because you did a quiet time and you prayed. And maybe God delivers in that quick, but it takes time to grow. Do not grow weary of doing good. In time we will reap, is what Galatians says. Don't give up so quickly, right? It's just like, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you're like, I need to lose 40 pounds, gain 40 pounds over Christmas. Well, you're not gonna like eat a salad and go for a jog and then get on the scale and be like, all right, it should be over. No, it's gonna take you some time to work through that took you time to get into that. And we give up too quickly and we're like, whatever, I'm done. Don't, it's a way to, to be a pothole filler, not stay salty. Here's another one. Be careful about substituting head knowledge for heart knowledge. Right? Just because you know it doesn't mean you're doing it. So you might be in three Bible studies a week and doing all this stuff and all that's great but if all you care about is making money and you treat your employees or employer like trash, what good are your Bible studies? You might as well sleep in, right? You, you, you got Christian radio on, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm gonna Bible study fellowship, I got all these things, but I'm still uh, looking at pornography and I'm treating my kids like junk. What good is it, right? It, 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 if we're substituting uh, the mastering of concepts for obedience, then we're missing it and we'll, be, we'll lose our saltiness, right? And we see this in church, right? So statistics say that Christians give an average of 3% of, of their uh, giving per year, I mean, their, their salaries. 3%, that's, that's what the Christians give. You spend more on that than on your cell phone and Netflix, I guarantee you, right? But the average Christian gives 3%. We know that it's good to read scripture, or it's good to pray, it's good to set time apart to be alone with God. But you know, Cobra Kai just dropped season four. I gotta, I gotta binge that. Oh, and I got this show. Our screen time is seven hours a day. Our prayer time is six, hours, six minutes a week. We know, but we don't do. We know we're supposed to be kind and be gentle and forgive, but man, that referee missed the call. That was a reach. I'm gonna let him know. It's my sixth grader out there after all. Right, we know, but what do we do, right? I know I'm supposed to be pure, but it's easy because I'm single. But once I'm, I'm dating someone, well, you know, he wants to stay over, she wants to stay over, there. yeah, we want to stay in the same hotel room when we go over here. It's, we're committed, we're in a committed relationship, it's fine. We know it's right, but then putting it into practice, right? And if, if we're gonna just know it and not do it, we're, we're ready for the pothole. Ready for the pothole. Because that's all we're good for, right? Last one is don't treat Christ, don't treat God, don't treat his church like a ecclesiastical buffet. Like I get a little bit of what I want. i a little sermonette from Fowler. Maybe a little coffee team with a, you know, a side order of Christmas Eve service. And I'm happy, I'm good. And we treat it like it's consumeristic. It's all about me, me, me. What makes me feel good? What makes me happy? What is this? And if you ever say anything that doesn't make me happy or do anything, if someone ever does this, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm going to a different restaurant. Try to dump a deal for it. Different. And we see this. There are, there are, in America right now, churches, dead churches and denominations that have been dead for, for years and years. Why? Because they have treated God like a buffet. We'll take a little bit of this, but we don't like that. I don't wanna talk about this. I wanna talk about this. And we don't really believe that, but we like this. And what happens is we try to appeal to this group of people over here and make everyone happy, and no one grows and everyone's dead Spiritually. And you see this in, oh, it's rampant in American Christianity, right? Well, we don't really talk about that. And, and it's no more evident in the now modern debate of, uh, of gender and sexuality and all these things. And look, this is, it's not, no one's oh, gonna hammer anybody, but scripture is very clear. It is not complex and hard to understand. There's certain things that are hard to understand. That's not one of them. In the beginning, he made them male and female. Boom, that's it, two genders. That that uh, sexual intimacy is designed for the marriage covenant, male and female. Boom, it's very clear. You may not agree with it, you may not like it, but that's very clear. It's very clear. And what we do is we're like, we don't like that. I don't wanna talk about that. That's not loving. No, what's not loving is letting people run headlong into a Christless eternity and just saying, go. You want that? Without at least saying, hey, have you thought about this? This is what God says. I'm not talking about being angry or judgmental or unloving. I'm talking about being winsome. And caring, but standing upon what God has said. Because if you compromise what God has said and said, oh, it's not a big deal. God says it's sin, but we don't really care. Then you are a pothole filler at best, and we don't want to fill potholes at this church. We want to season and we want to preserve and we want to rescue and we want to we want to we want to slow the decay, right? And so the point is not perfection, but there should be progress, and it's our job to season and preserve. And so. Just praying for someone, praying for someone. That meeting with them in the midst of their addiction or their depression, you're, you're seasoning, you're preserving. You foster, adopt, you're seasoning. You take the, the shift from the single mom because she's got a sick kid, there, there's a little seasoning there. there. Your neighbor who's elderly and can't mow their own lawn, you send your kids out because you don't need to do it, but you send your 15 year old out and you're preserving, you're seasoning. You got resources. You're not the guy that's like, hey, honey, can we go out to eat? I don't know. I don't know how much is in the checking account. That's not you. And you see that your buddy has, uh, he needs new tires on his car and you got plenty of resources. You meet that need. That's, that's, that's preserving. That's seasoning. Right? And there's, there's opportunities everywhere. Standing up for the person who's getting picked on in the office or at school. It's, it's, it's slowing the decay. You, you alone are the souls of the earth. And so what you gotta ask is this, where's my sphere of influence that God's given me? Maybe you're a boss and you have 100 employees. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you got three roommates. I don't know where that is. You do. And you gotta say, how, how can I be salty here? How can I slow the decay and how can I bring some seasoning to this? And, and what I want us to do is I want us to start praying that way. Okay, God, if you would pray this way, Lord, I, I wanna season, I wanna, I wanna preserve, I wanna be that at SCAD, at Gulfstream, on Hunter Army Airfield, in my neighborhood, in my school, whatever. If you wanna, you start praying that way, you will see God move because God answers prayer according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Is it his will for you to be salt? It absolutely is. You start praying that way, you're gonna see opportunities and you're gonna start functioning as an influencer, right? Where do you need to see influence? Where, where's an area you've been saying no to God, you need to say yes. Where's an area you quit too easy and you need to pick that back up? That's for you to figure out and the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. You and you alone, you're salt. You preserve, you bring seasoning. Next one, verse 14. You, and again you could say, and you alone, you are the light of the world. Right, what does light do? Light dispels darkness, It reveals, and the thing about light is it doesn't have to be a big light, right? When it's dark, what do you do at the house? I don't know what I do. It's a little light, but it helps a lot, doesn't it? There's Legos and dog bones everywhere. I don't wanna step on these. It dispels dark so I can see. It doesn't have to be a big light because when it's dark, the smallest of lights works. And that's his point. In the darkness of the world, because of sin and rebellion, you shouldn't be able to miss one of my followers. You should be able to see them, even if they're just a little match. And then you put a bunch of them together in the room, there should be even more light, right? But you can't hide it, why? He tells you, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And in their mind, when they hear city on a hill, I mean, we don't understand the, the, the geography, but Jerusalem, understands understand, was on a hill. That's why it's always in the Psalms, you're going up to Jerusalem and you're coming down from Jerusalem because it's on a hill. So when they think city on a hill, they're thinking Jerusalem. And if you're a mile, two miles, if you're down in Bethlehem, which is down the road, you can see Jerusalem because it's on a hill, right? Because a light on a hill, you can see it. It's just for for a kind of modern understanding, you've taken that flight, most of you, if you've ever flown, from Atlanta to Savannah. It's like a 12 minute flight, right? It takes longer to get to the runway than to Atlanta. But you take, and it's always leaves at like 10 o'clock at night, and you get on that plane and you get up in the air and you can see Atlanta. Why? Because it's light. And then there's no lights until Macon. And then there's no lights until Savannah. There's literally like nothing in between Atlanta and Savannah. Lights and you see it at night. And then Savannah, oh, we're almost there. I can see the light, right? Because you can't hide light in the darkness. That's Jesus' point. Can't hide my people. And then he uses another illustration they get. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, you don't do that. Right? You put it on a stand, and, and the lamp he would be talking about, familiar to them, looks like something like this. This was their lamps, little oil lamp. And you can understand why you don't put a, a basket on it, right? What's going to happen? You're going to burn the house down, and you're going to waste the oil, which is valuable. It's not what you do. You don't put it under a basket. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it. Remember that little song? Yeah, it's good theology. Right, because you're going to let it shine. You're going to put it on a stand. Why? That little lamp is gonna light the entire room enough for everyone to see. And that is his point. And then he makes the application. In the same way, should I underline that? In what way? Just like a city, just like a lamp. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Okay, and she said, okay, what does that mean? What is my light shining before others? He tells you so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Your light is the good works that God does through you. And what are good works? It's just what scripture tells you to do. And I love that he doesn't say, let them see your great works. Because there's a temptation, I I don't have, nobody cares about what I do. I'm just a nobody. He's not asking you to do great things and move to here and give a million dollars and park the Red Sea and call down fire from heaven. Just good works. What does scripture say are good works? Love your neighbor. Help clean up their yard after the latest windstorm and pick up moss and throw it in a pile. Good work. Brother needs something? You mean a need. Being honest with your parents when all your friends are lying. No, I'm not gonna lie to my parents. I'm gonna tell them where I'm at. They say be home at 11. You're home at 11 and not 11.05, it's a good work, right? It's, it's simple, not cheating on your whatever. You wrong someone, you apologize. You mess something up, you own it, don't lie about it. You say, I will fix it, I will make it right. I, I spend time with, with kids that need help, like teaching them soccer, teaching them to read. Right? It, it's, I can't afford this. I don't just put it on a credit card. I save and then I buy it cash so that I'm not enslaved at 23% interest. It's good works. I mean, there's a bazillion good works. I can't even, I could sit here for the next 10 years and tell you good works. You figure out what is the scripture commanding you to do simply in your life. He says, do that in front of people. I know there's some of us like, well, didn't Jesus say one time we're not supposed to do things in front of people? Yeah, give fast and pray. Do those in secret so that your father who sees in secret will reward and seek it. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. But these things are purposely supposed to be done out there in the world because the salt gets out of the shaker. But the, look at the reason, and this is the why behind influencing. This is why we influence. It's not so people are like, he's a good dude. That's a godly man. Look at him. He can quote scripture like, you know, the apostle Paul. Ooh, ooh, wow, ooh, right? It's not so you be seen. It's so that they see your good works and do what? Give, your, give glory to your Father in heaven. See, the thing about light, light doesn't bring attention to itself, right? It, it, it shines something else. You're not like, the light's point is not to say you look at the light. You, you, know, you look at our lights up here that aren't even on, ironically. Uh, no one's like, ooh, big, ooh, round, ooh, right? You, you're you looking at what it reveals, the point of the light is not to point itself to the light, it's to point somewhere else. That's the point of you. It's not to bring attention to you. It's so you do something. You're like, my parents said I'm gonna be home at 11. I'm gonna be home at 11. Well, why do you do that? Because I, God says for me to honor my father and mother. And he gives glory to your father. Why do you, why is your family always together and you always do things and you like each other? You know why? Because God says I'm supposed to influence my children and I wanna love them and I wanna raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. Why don't you go out with us and do the X, Y, and Z? Right, why don't you do that? You know, because God says, I'm supposed to do this and I wanna honor him. Why do you work so hard? You're here on time, you stay late, the boss is a jerk, you respect him. Why? Because I'm supposed to work heartily as to the Lord rather than men. God is my boss and I'm trying to honor him. You're giving glory to your father who is in heaven. Right, and you're shining a light. You're pointing people to him and you're being an influencer. That's what we're talking about. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And here, here's what I would say for us as a goal. What if, to ask, ask yourself this question. What if in 2022, every single person in this room, watching online, first service, you just influence one person for the kingdom? Just one. One person, right? where you are, you know, you're you you're know, praying for an opportunity to have a gospel conversation, you, to share your story, what God did in your life, to invite them to your community group or to, to church or whatever, just one person in 2022 that you would be purposefully uh, praying for them to understand who Jesus is and what he has done. What, what would the impact if that happened every year of your life? Maybe you're 30 years old and you lived 80. 50 people that you impact for the kingdom. Think about that. And what if those 50 impacted one a year or just even one in their lives? Just think about how multiplication takes place. This is why 12 men, 12 apostles impacted the world. Why? Because they just, they had influence. They pointed people towards God, their father, who sent the son to pay the penalty on the cross for their sins so that they could have an eternal life with him. But but, if you're not thinking that way, you might be filling a pothole. And I'm not saying you have to be Billy Graham and bringing people, but, but influencers influence. And Jesus says, that's you. You. My, my, you're not the JV team, y'all. The church of Jesus is the varsity team. You are the plan. The, the church is what that brings the manifold wisdom of God. You are plan A. And if you're not, engaged in that, then you're a pothole. You're filling a pothole, right? So who, who can you start praying for? Who can you start you know, thinking about opportunities? I'm gonna invite that family over. And we're not gonna first time here. So if on a scale of zero, 100, how sure are you? If you're to die today, you'd be good to heaven. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about be purposeful in relationships because people's eternity is at stake. And Jesus has put you here as an influencer to slow the decay, to season the world, and to light it so that they see him. That's what we wanna be. That's what we're doing. And then the reasoning, C.T. Studd, in his famous poem, he was a cricketer, which is baseball's kind of sister, I guess, right? For some of you, there you go. There you go, Sam. Yeah, like, he knows cricket. He's from India, so that's, that's your sport right there. But he, he said this in his famous poem. You can read it online Only one life to live. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, How happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. See, that's it. He got it. The lamp of your life. You have a lamp of your life. What's it burning for? Because you're an influencer whether you know it or not. You might be in the pothole, but you're supposed to be an influencer. Seasoning, slowing the decay, and pointing people to a savior who loves them. Doesn't that take five million views or you know how many followers? Just takes you living out, the gospel living out the beatitudes walking with christ daily because the spirit of the living god dwells in you church spirit of the living god dwells in you one of our family's favorite influencers that we watch biweekly because they only drop one video every other week is dude perfect if you have kids you might know dude perfect it's five guys texas a&m grads when they were in college they are followers of Jesus, they all live in the same apartment and they just spent their time, instead of drinking, doing crazy shots, mostly with basketballs. And you know, they did some crazy shots and they woke up the next day and they had a million views and thus Dude Perfect was formed and now they are like number six on, on YouTube's influencers. I have You know, 50,000 followers and they do a tour and they're, they're awesome. A couple of them go to a church uh, uh, in Dallas that I'm um, buddies with some of the pastors and you go to their website, and uh, now they're older, and uh, they're thinking like they their 30s, but this is what their website says on its, on its page. This is their desire. God's given us this platform for a reason, and that we have an opportunity to make an impact on the lives of countless others all around the globe. Above all else, our ultimate goal is to glorify Jesus Christ in everything that we do. We wanna use this platform for something much bigger than us. And they are, and God's given them this to steward, and so they're responsible for that. But that's, that's the cry, whether you have 50,000 followers or you are just living in an apartment with two people, that your platform, whatever it is, would point people to something much bigger than you. That's an influencer. That's our goal as a church, and should be you, you alone, are salt and light. So let's pray that way in 2022 and beyond, that you will be an influencer slowing the decay, seasoning, appointing pointing people to our Father in heaven. Let me pray. You guys stand, and we'll worship through singing. Father, thank you for uh, tasking us with this, this task that we are not capable of, that you have given us your spirit to do it, and I pray um, that we, as your followers, would, in an imperfect way, but we would, would do it with progress, that we would be seeing you change us from the inside out, that we would be growing mourn the image of your son, and that there will be an impact, that we would not waste our lives pursuing stuff that will burn, that we will spend our lives uh, serving you, pointing people to you, uh, and enjoying you forever. And so whatever necessary steps need to be, take, be taken today, Lord, in our hearts, whether it's repentance, whether it's encouragement, whether it's getting into a group, help us to, to do it, and not just sit on it, to act and move uh, towards you as your spirit is drawing. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.